want to welcome you here this morning. I'm so glad that you can be with, with us to worship the Lord. Pray everyone's safe. I pray that you're uh, doing well. I pray God is keeping you and that you're keeping your eyes by faith on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's ever faithful. Amen. We're going to continue to, to uh, broadcast our services in this way as long as need be, as long as we're not able to gather together. Uh, we're, we're just trusting for wisdom from our leaders in our state and our nation. Uh, and we're trusting most of all for the mercy of God, the grace of God, and the power of God, and the protection of the Lord at this time. But we're going to keep worshiping God. This is not keeping us from knowing Jesus or walking with the Lord or growing in Christ. So on Sunday mornings at 10.30 and 7 p.m. on Wednesdays, we'll have YouTube uh, messages or devotionals on Wednesday and our our group meet, uh, prayer text uh, meeting, prayer meeting on Sunday nights at 6. Our website is tccbr.org. That stands for the Cornerstone Church of Baton Rouge. If you just happen to be finding us somehow, you can go to our website and find out more about our church and hear other messages as well. If you go to the Cornerstone Church of Baton Rouge on YouTube, you can find all of our recent uh, messages as well. But we're praying for you. We love you. And we love the Lord Jesus. I want you, if you would, to open your Bibles this morning to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. I'm going to go ahead and read this. Mark 11. And when they came nigh to Jerusalem, unto Bethphage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples, and saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as ye be entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied, whereon never man sat. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do you this? Say you that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way, and they found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways met, and they loose him. And certain of them that stood there sat, said unto them, What do you loosen the colt? And they say unto them, Even as Jesus commanded, they said, let, And they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus, and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. I want to read this, uh, this, this account of the colt being loosed and brought to Jesus. And uh, in, in this is, is found in three of the Gospels and in, in uh, Matthew's account in chapter 21. I'll just read this. And this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Sion, Behold, the king, thy king, cometh unto thee meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. How many of you know it's always good to do what Jesus commands you to do? Even if you don't understand it all the time. It's always good to do what the Lord commands. Now I'm going to talk about this account. This seems like a, a I don't know, almost an unimportant thing. This with the colt being loosed. Uh, but I want to tell you this, this morning... And this is what I believe the Lord has given me for us this morning. There are no co coincidences with the Lord. Neither are there any trivial things. There are no meaningless things with the Lord Almighty. There are no meaningless or trivial words that He speaks. 
are things that he calls his disciples to do, are actions that the Lord takes, are events with the Lord. They're no uh, trivial or meaningless. When, when it comes to the Lord and his dealings in life and in the world and in our lives, there's no trivial causes and effects. He has a plan which he is working in all of it. I want to read this again from Matthew's account. It says, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. Okay, so even the loosing of the cult, the cult that Jesus would ride on into Jerusalem and be hailed as the son of David, all this was the working of the Lord. We may just read through a passage like that and, and not think it's very important, maybe compared to other things. But I'll say this, when, when walking with Christ, when you and I, as His children, walking with the Lord, hearing His voice when He speaks to us, obeying or not obeying what He calls us to, to do, what's His will, nothing is unimportant with the Lord. Nothing is trivial. Nothing is meaningless. Our God is working. Amen? He's working in us. He's working for us on our behalf. And if we'll let Him, He wants to work through us. Amen? To reach men for Christ and to disciple those and to fulfill God's will on this earth. That's why He's, why he's left us here after He redeemed us. He has a purpose in our lives. But He's working y'all in the most amazing ways. The most amazing ways. The, the Bible says in Acts 15, known unto God are all His works from the beginning of the world. Acts 15, 18, known unto God are all His works from the beginning of the world. He's working all the time. How many of you know that? He that keepeth, behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. He's working. He's working in every life. He's working in every situation of your life. He's working every day. He's working in ways that are huge and obvious that anyone can see. He's working in unseen ways. He's working in the hearts and lives of people that, that are unknown to other people. Maybe sometimes unknown to the, to the heart in which He's working it to an extent. He, he works in the hearts of men and He works to direct the course of nations. That's our God. He can work in the most minute details that He does of our lives. He's working in what I would call the mundane and the routine of your lives. Sun up, you live the day, sun down. You start it over the next day. The mundane and the routine, but God is working, amen? God is working. He's working in what I would call slow and steady. He's working in us both to do, will and do of His good pleasure. And He can work. And we just need to, by faith, walk with Him and let Him work in our lives. So He can work in, the, in what we would call routine, mundane days and times of our lives. And He can work in the grand and glorious ways where He just bursts onto the scene and moves and spares a life and saves your lost loved one and changes the course of our nation. He can burst in, burst, just burst through the clouds. He can work in some mighty way that, that would be rare and unusual for our lives. But it's all of His working is according to His will. All of His working is for His glory. It's for the glory of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Revelation that Thou hast created 
Thou art worthy, O Lord, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy, for thy pleasure they are and were created. And we are to do all that we do as the redeemed children of God, washed in His blood, for the glory of God. That's what we're to do and how we're to live our lives. But all, listen, all is being fulfilled and will be fulfilled according to His perfect will. Don't think things are just happening. It's just strange days we're living in. Well, well, it is. Things are happening, or maybe think nothing's happened. You don't, don't just think that things are random. Things are just going on. Our God is God Almighty, and our God is fulfilling His plan. I love this scripture. Fire and hail, snow and vapor, stormy wind. What is it all doing, y'all? Fulfilling His Word. It's all fulfilling His Word. Fire and hail, snow and vapor, stormy wind, fulfilling God's Word. It's all according to the will of the Lord, and it is fulfilling His Word, and it is fulfilling His purpose. This, what we might think of, at least maybe I've thought of at times, is just a, a ho-hum account of this, this cult being loose, this minor detail of the cult, where it was, where Jesus said it would be, what the disciples were to say if they were confronted about it. All of it was, it might seem unimportant, but it was very important. That was actually a, a fulfillment of the prophecy of the Lord. They were questioned by the owner. One of the other gospels, it says, the owner said, what do you loosen the colt? This is my colt, I'm the owner. What are you doing loosening my colt? Most people would say, get out of here. You're not about to take my horse. But when they answered like Jesus said, get ready. If anybody asks you why you're losing the colt that's at the intersection of these two streets, you're going to find it there. And when you lose it, you're going to bring it to me. And if anybody questions you, you tell them the Lord has need of him. And he'll let him go straightway. And guess what? The owner of the colt, let him take it. It's just amazing. Even that man was a fulfillment of, of God's word. Even that man had a place in the history of the world in fulfilling a prophecy of the Lord. That man obeyed. That man fulfilled. The disciples obeyed and did what they were told. And God fulfilled His plan. This account of the cult in Mark 11, it may seem insignificant. It, it may seem unimportant. It may seem what I would think ordinary or maybe unimpressive in a way compared to the big miracles we read in the Bible. You know, the big miracles of the flood in Noah's day. The end of all flesh is before me, Noah the Lord told Noah. And he brought the, the, the fountains of the earth, of the deep broke forth once Noah was safe on the ark, and the windows of heaven were opened, and the earth was flooded, and all that lived and breathed on the earth died. That's a big miracle, right? The parting of the Red Sea where the children of Israel passed by and passed through, not in the mud, but on dry ground. And the waters were like a wall on their left hand and a wall on their right hand, and a whole nation passed through. That's a big miracle, and it is. Raising Lazarus from the dead after he had been dead four days and was decaying, his body was decaying, he was sealed up behind a stone. That's a big miracle. Even Christ's own resurrection from the dead, as He said He would on the third day by the Holy Spirit raising Him from the dead. The outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost upon the believers. These are big miracles. Yet this account of this cult, 
You know, this was a miracle. This was a miracle. It was important. It was a work of our God and Savior, and it was a work on His part to fulfill all righteousness, to fulfill His word of power, to fulfill His plans to be the propitiation for the sins of the world and the Savior of the world. This all had to happen, and it had to happen when it was supposed to happen. It happened, had to happen like the Scripture said it would happen. Christ would soon ride upon this animal. Think about it. This animal selected for all eternity. This little colt where never a man sat upon was selected for this purpose. Jesus didn't ride on a camel into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, what we call Palm Sunday. He didn't ride on a stallion. He didn't ride in a chariot. He didn't ride on the shoulders of his disciples. He rode on the colt. And this is exactly like Zechariah had prophesied. The Lord had prophesied through Zechariah. You know how long before this prophecy, 500, about 550 years before Jesus rode into Jerusalem on this particular cult, it was prophesied that he would ride upon this animal. Tell ye the daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass and a colt, the foal of an ass. And his disciples went and did what they were told. This was a miracle. This was the working of the Lord. Jesus Christ was going to ride upon this animal just very shortly before his crucifixion. Very, very soon before he was crucified on Calvary, he would ride on this animal and he would be praised by the multitudes. A few days later, they would be crying out, crucify him. But on this day, he was going to be praised. He was going to be praised. The people waved their palm branches and they said, uh, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. They called him the son of David, Hosanna in the highest. And if these people who were waving their palm branches and were praising Jesus had been silent on this day, the Bible tells us those rocks and stones would have cried out and praised him. He was going to be praised as Lord and Savior, as the son of David on this day. This is the power of our God. This one incident or account that maybe we read over. Maybe you've thought about it more than I have, but just to, to read over it and get to a bigger miracle. But in this one account of the cult being loosed and brought back to Jesus, we see God's omniscience. We see His foreknowledge that knowing it was going to be just as He said it would be. We see His power to perform His word that goes out of His mouth that He tells us that he is able to do and he does. He watches over his word to perform it. He speaks his word and then he brings it to pass. And he says, who is like unto me? This is one of the ways we know our God is God. And he wants us to judge him in that way, in the sense that compare me, who would you liken me to? He watches over his word to perform it. He said, go, and you're going to find this cold there. Loose him and bring him to me. He was right where the Lord said he would be. Nobody ever sat on this cold, but Jesus was going to sit on it. Our God is God, and he works, and he is working. He's working in seemingly what we might think the, the smallest ways, the, the smallest ways, what we might think are insignificant ways what we might think are uh, barely noticeable ways our God is working. He's working throughout the course of every moment of your life and my life. Every moment 
of every day, our God is working. The psalmist says in 115, our, but our God is in heaven, in the heavens. He had done whatsoever he had pleased. He's working, and he's working how he chooses to work. And when I think about this account of the cult, you know, what you, you know, what are you going to say to disciples if somebody questions you about it? Or even when I think about the ways that the Lord may work in little, what I would think of little ways in our lives. That to me in some ways is actually a bigger miracle and harder for me to comprehend that he's working in every life all the time to accomplish his will. It's all being orchestrated in the individual believer and in trying to bring lost men to Christ and fulfilling his, his word and his plan for the ages and for eternity to come. He's, he's working in, in not just parting the Red Sea, but he's working in the most ways that we don't even see a lot of times, that to me is almost a bigger miracle. It's almost harder for me to grasp the Lord doing that. It's harder for me to, to comprehend that than an earthquake, that God's going to work through an earthquake or a fire or a flood or multitudes at one, you know, one sitting basically that are brought to Jesus and he heals them all. Or David uh, with the slinging stone killing the giant Goliath. The fact that he's working in ordinary lives of people every day in many unseen ways is, is almost bigger to me than, than parting the Red Sea. I want to read this from Hebrews um, chapter 1. And the whole book of Hebrews opens up like this. Speaking about the Lord who spoke to our fathers in times past and through the prophets in various ways has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also, listen, he made the worlds. We say, well, that's a big miracle. He spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. He spoke the whole world into existence in six days, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. But listen to this, and upholding all things by the word of his power. So it's, it's not just that, that the Lord spoke and it was done. In six days, He created everything, every insect, every, all the dirt, all the hills, the mountains, everything. He, he created it all in six days. But it goes on to say that our God continues to uphold it all by the word of His power, all things. He sustains it all. He keeps it all going. If it needs heat, this creature needs heat, he gives it heat. If it needs water, he gives it water. If it needs breath, he gives it breath. If it needs clean air to breathe, he gives it clean air to breathe. He, he upholds it all. The, the galaxies and the, the universe holds it all in place. He feeds every sparrow that needs food. He clothes the grass that says in Matthew 6 that is today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. He waters the earth when the earth needs rain. The very hairs of your head and my hair head are numbered. Little things. He works in all of it. When all comes together, it speaks of a big God in a big work. And who but God can do such things as they, they, these? Our God not only is sending down fire, from heaven in response to Elijah's prayer to, to show a whole nation of people that had backslidden and was in idolatry that he and not Baal was God. He does big things like that. 
We read about it. I like to preach about that and talk about that and think about that. The fire came down and the whole nation said, the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. He's not only doing that. Our God is lowering your child's temperature a degree and a half. So a mother doesn't go out of her mind when the child's got fever. Our God's doing things like letting you drop your cell phone down the side of your seat in your car. We can barely get your hand down there. And when searching for it, we found our long lost checkbook that was down there while we're getting our phone. He's working all the time. And I can make the mistake, and maybe you can too, of thinking, God's not doing very much right now. He's not doing much in my life. I just don't see the, the big things happening that I've been praying for or expecting that I read about in the Bible. God's not doing very much right now in my life as a believer. God's not saving all the lost people that I pray for that I want to be saved. God's not doing a whole lot right now in my church. God's not doing a whole lot in the world today. And we might say that because we don't see with our natural eyes many what we would call big things going on. But I can assure you from the Word of God, Jesus said, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. He is working, people. He is working, and don't you forget that He's working. Now think about this when thinking about how God works, maybe in small, what we would think of small ways. Doesn't God put sometimes complete strangers, a lot of times complete strangers, but doesn't He put people in our daily lives, in our paths, so to speak, in the course of our daily lives, that He would want us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with? Couldn't we and shouldn't we bring them the good news? God does work. God can work. Not only on our mission trips that we save up money for and plan for, but He can work in the Walmart. When we go to the Walmart, maybe that person He puts in your life today or tomorrow in the Walmart, they'll get saved for all eternity. They'll get saved for all eternity. And maybe like the Philippian jailer, when Paul and Silas were in prison and the Lord sent an earthquake and set him free and witnessed to him of, of the love of the Lord and the, the saving gospel of Jesus, maybe not only will he get saved, but like this man, his whole family will get saved. Maybe God's going to... You pass somebody in the airport or you pass somebody and share a few words with them and maybe you hand them a track and they go home, go home later and read it, you might not have ever known it. And God raises that person up to be a prophet to the nations for this hour. He is working. We need to expect Him to. Maybe you'll, you'll witness to someone, they'll come to Christ, and one day, later on, you, that God brings them into your life, and they become your co-laborer in the gospel on the mission field when God calls you to the mission field. And that one you witness to at Walmart, somehow or another, like a colt tied up with it on the street corner, becomes your co-laborer on the mission field. Maybe you'll hand a track to someone at the gas station, and they'll read it later when they go home, 
and get saved and and that will be God will bring them to your life and that will be the godly spouse that God chose for you that you've been praying for many years ago when I was in high school uh, our family was going through a, a difficult time my mother was going through an extremely difficult time she needed the Lord she needed the Lord in a way that she never had before and she needed someone to help her in Christ she had a Christian friend and that Christian friend introduced my mother to another Christian friend godly woman and this Christian friend would be used in my mother's life to give her such wonderful counsel and to pray with her wise godly counsel and friendship is what my mother needed at this time of her life but they would go on to become best friends they would go on to become sisters in the faith and that new friend of my mother's was used to encourage me to surrender all to the Lord to Jesus and prayed with me later to receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost, which God graciously did for me. With all the evidence that goes with it, she gave me this Bible that I'm preaching from right now. And that new friend of my mother, introduced by another Christian friend, had a beautiful godly daughter who loved God and served God from a child filled with the Spirit, who could sing and play the guitar and worship the Lord so beautifully and teach His Word, who would, about six years or so after coming into our lives, to my mother and I's lives, become my wife of almost 33 years now. We say, what's the point of all that? The point is that God is working. He's working by His mighty hand. He's orchestrating things. He leads us as our gentle shepherd. We hear his voice and we follow, whether we understand or don't understand, whether we like it or don't like it, whether we think there's going to be something monumental in our obedience or not. He leads us as a gentle shepherd. He speaks to us in a still, small voice. He works in our daily routine. He works in our ordinary, what we would call our ordinary, all to fulfill his master plan and you and I and I'm bringing this to a close this is not going to be a long message this morning but you and I need to look to him by faith and we need to expect him by faith I would say with a joyful hope and a joyful expectancy and expectation look to him and believe him to work in our lives today believe him to work in our lives today. There are no wasted days. I remind myself of this sometimes because I might have a routine and ordinary day and I might have a lot of them strung together in days and weeks and months. But there are no wasted days in the life of a believer. Each day he wakes me up and sets me on my feet. He wants me to look unto him, the author and the finisher of my faith. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. He is working whether I see it or not. 
Don't just look ahead. Here's another mistake that I've made. Maybe you've made this mistake as well. As a believer, I love the Lord and walking with the Lord, but sometimes I've made the mistake, I think oftentimes, of looking ahead, I'll be satisfied, I'm looking way ahead, and when some big thing happens that I'm waiting for, then I'll be joyful, then I'll be satisfied, then life will be complete. Some monumental thing that we're wanting God to do, some monumental event, some monumental accomplishment, some huge move of God or revival in our city or nation that we're praying for. Keep praying for those things, amen? God wants to do those huge monumental things and He can't. But there are things that haven't happened yet and we're maybe discontent or bored or dissatisfied or maybe even discouraged or depressed because we're just waiting on those things to happen. A high school student maybe can't wait till they graduate. Everything's booked. They got it circled on on their calendar. Everything surrounds that date when they graduate, or a college student when they graduate college, or a med student when they graduate medical school. Or they're waiting for that certain job, the right job to come along. That's the one I'm praying for. That's what my whole life, that's what I'm just so looking forward to. Until then, until it happens, it's just kind of, un, everything's unfulfilled. Or maybe a single person that loves the Lord and is praying for that spouse, and all they can do is think about that day when they get married and they're discontent until that happens. Or maybe a believer waiting on the call of God upon their lives, the specific call to serve God, to ministry and so forth. Maybe they're waiting for a a major healing in their body. They're suffering with an illness for a long time. But as we're waiting, y'all, we don't want to miss. I don't believe God wants us to live that way. I know He wants us to pray for those things, but He wants us to enjoy our Savior and worship Him and grow in Him and appreciate what He's doing in our lives today and look for opportunities to serve Him that we think are insignificant that may turn out on His plan to be huge. We don't want to miss His still, small voice today. Amen? We want to take note of what He's doing today and who He may bring into our lives across our paths today like a cult tied up on the street corner that nobody else would even notice. And these two disciples, sure, Lord, we'll go get the cult and ran out. But this was a fulfillment of prophecy. The son of David, the long-awaited Messiah was going to ride on that cult on that day into Jerusalem and be hailed as the son of David. I'm going to close with an illustration here this morning. The world's best art museums They display paintings. They display the most beautiful sculptures and different types of artwork. And one of the types of artwork that these art museums displays is tapestry. Tapestry is something that's woven together thread by thread. And the most beautiful of these would be highly sought after and displayed like other pieces of art in these art museums. The front of these tapestries is beautiful. You know, it shows the the skill and the thought of the the craftsman that did it, that that weaved it. The front is beautiful and the colors and the detail and the weavings and their artwork and the tapestry. The back of a tapestry, though, is a mess. It's full of knots and loose ends. 
And if you're looking at a piece of tapestry that may be beautiful on the front, but if you're looking at it just from the backside, it looks like a mess. You, you might vaguely be able to roughly pick, picture, you know, what the, what the picture is, what the, the idea is that you would see on the front. But it's, it looks like a child did it. It looks incomplete. It looks uh, not professional from the backside. What's intended to be seen and what's displayed in the art museums and on people's walls and so forth, what's intended to be seen and displayed is the smooth, beautiful, finished front of these tapestries. I'm going to read a poem by Corey Tim Boone, who was a wonderful believer and, and served the Lord. You'd have to look up her life story and find out more about her, the trials and tribulations that she went through, her and her family as believers suffering like the Jews at the hands of the Nazis, imprisoned by the Nazis, uh, along with Jews, because as Christians they were trying to harbor and shelter and, and protect some of the Jews from the Nazis, and went through the same uh, concentration camp experiences, came out of it by the grace of God. She wrote this poem. And it's called the tapestry. Life is, it's called Life is But a Weaving. And I just want to read it to you. My life is but a weaving between, between my God and me. I cannot choose the colors. He weaveth steadily. Oft times he weaveth sorrow, and I in foolish pride forget he sees the upper. And I, the underside. Not till the moon is silent and the shuttle cease to fly will God unroll the canvas and reveal the reason why. The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. He knows, he loves, he cares. Nothing this truth condemns he gives the very best to those who leave the choice to him. Now, I have not experienced anything like this, what this wonderful Christian woman endured in her life. And I know she's speaking about great trials she went through. But there's one part of this that stuck out to me in, in the sense of thinking about this message this morning. It says... He weaves steadily. Oftentimes he weaves sorrow, and I in foolish pride forget he sees the upper and I the underside. What are we saying here this morning? We're saying that God is at work, whether we see it or not. God is at work, whether we like our life at this particular time or not. God is working steadily, mightily in his wisdom, by his grace, like a colt tied up, as I said, on the corner of a street that everybody else passed by and didn't think twice about, but that colt was going to help be a fulfillment of a prophecy of at least 550 years before. One day the Lord's going to show us the front side, amen? He's going to show us that smooth side. And he's going to say, here's what I was doing right here. 
He thought nothing was happening. That's when I did my biggest work. All the, all the days, the minutes, the hours, the days, the weeks, the months, the years, as a believer strung together, the peaks and valleys and the days and nights, in the ordinary and the mundane and the super exciting, God's working in all of it. People you handed out a track to and never thought they came to know Jesus. You never saw much fruit from all your witnessing in the Walmart and the gas stations. God knows what He's doing. I'm going to close with this scripture. We all know it well. And we know that all things work together for good to those that love the Lord, to those that are the called according to His purpose. He's working all things together for His good. Pray with me this morning. Father, we believe You. We thank You, God. We thank You, Lord Jesus, that though we don't see You working, Many times, maybe most of the times, we don't see you working, or we don't see you working in the ways we would like to see you working. But you said, Jesus, my Father worketh hitherto, and I work. And you are fulfilling your will. And you're fulfilling your word. And you're fulfilling your master plan in the most minute details, in the most glorious, amazing ways. I pray, God, you would give us just a glimpse to see. Give us eyes to understand and know and believe. I know we probably couldn't handle seeing all of it. But Lord, give us faith to believe, at least to know you are doing it. God, you're working in us both to will and to do of your good plan and your holy purpose, God. I pray you would strengthen our faith in you. We want to thank you, God for your great and glorious working in our life, that you tend to us and you, like the, the, the vine dresser, tends to the, the most little vine on the, on the, in his vineyard. You tend to us and you're caring for us that we would grow, that we would bring forth much fruit to the glory of God, that we would bring honor to Jesus, that we would fulfill the purposes of God in and for our lives in its entirety, day by day and over the whole life that you've given us on this earth. And in the world, God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. And I just wanted to, I believe you just gave me this message this morning just to thank you and praise you for your goodness and your power and your working in our lives, God. We, we thank you for it. Church, take some time as a closing prayer, just to thank the Lord and to believe the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.